morning, church. I need to, I guess, third, fourth, I don't know, whatever, about how nice that rain was this morning. I just stood for a little bit and watched it rain. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about the promises of God. So a promise is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing. Synonyms of promise are pledge, vow, oath, covenant, commitment. I googled how many promises are there in the Bible, and it led me to an article by a man named Everick Storms, who is a teacher from Kitchener, Ontario. He says the scripture contains 8,810 promises. How does he know this? He counted them. He read through the Bible 26 times, and on the 27th time, which took him a year and a half to read, he counted all the promises. Of the 8,810 promises that he came up with, 7,487 of those promises were made by God to all believers. That is over 20 promises for every day of the year. There's an expression, promises are like pie crust. They are made to be broken. That's true of the promises that are made by people. We have all been promised things that we never received. We have all made promises that either we didn't keep or we were not able to keep. But that doesn't happen with God. God keeps his promises. This is confirmed by multiple verses in both the Old and the New Testament. We're told that God's way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. God's word is truth. He who promised is faithful. His words will never pass away. Joshua gives a strong testimony in the faithfulness of God in chapter 21, verse 45. Not a single promise God gave Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Numbers 28:19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? We can be confident that God will keep the promises we read in the Bible. As often happens, I'm reminded of a song that we used to sing in Sunday school, Every Promise in the Book is Mine. The words say, every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. All are blessings of his love divine, every promise in the book is mine. In the April 29th, our Daily Bread devotion, Karen Huan shares this quote from Hudson Taylor, a missionary in China. Taylor said, there is a living God. He has spoken in the Bible. He means what he says and will do all he has promised. She went on to write this. Taylor's words came from years of walking with God and remind us of who God is and all he can do through our times of illness, poverty, loneliness, and grief. He didn't merely know that God is trustworthy. He experienced his trustworthiness. And because he trusted God's promises and obeyed him, Thousands of Chinese people gave their lives to Jesus. So, if you believe in a living God, 
and you believe, as our Mennonite Confession of Faith says, that all scripture is inspired by God through the Holy Spirit for instruction in salvation and training in righteousness, and you believe that God was at work through the centuries and the process by which the books of the Old and New Testaments were inspired and written, then you can believe that every promise in the Bible is true. Dorian Kendra read scriptures telling of two of God's promises found early in the Bible. One of the most well-known ones, the promise to Noah and who all came after, is from God that he would never flood the earth again. He put a rainbow in the sky as a reminder of that covenant. So when we see a rainbow, it tells us that it doesn't always remind us of God's promise. It's a reminder to God himself that he promised he would never flood the earth. Then the, story, the scripture that Dory read tells the story of Abraham and Sarah. And God's promise that Abraham will be the father of many nations by a son given him by Sarah. Despite the fact that Sarah had not been able to have children and both Abraham and Sarah were very old. And we are talking very old. Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born. The scripture I'm going to read today from the Bible is Romans 4, 18 through 21. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised." Despite their increasingly old age, Abraham still believed the promise of God that he and Sarah would have a son. Abraham waited 25 years for that promise to come true. The first time God promised him that he would have a son, it took 25 years. 25 years he waited but yet he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And this faith in God and God's faithfulness sustained him all that time. That's my prayer for all of us today, that we believe that the promises found in the Bible are for us and that God has the power to keep those promises. The promises to Abraham and some others were made for a specific person at a specific time. God promised Moses he would be with him as he took the children of Israel out of Egypt. God promised David that his house and his kingdom would endure forever and that his son would build a temple. God promised Samson that as long as he obeyed and didn't cut his hair, he would be physically strong. We can learn from those promises, but we can't claim those promises. You know, these people with long hair are not going to magically become strong. We can't, we can't claim those. But what we're going to look at today are the ones that God made to people, to all believers. These are promises we can lay claim to. To claim these, what you have to do is believe in God and in his son, Jesus Christ. You have to believe that the Bible is true and that God is trustworthy. These promises are for all believers in all places and at all times. 
If you are a believer, these promises are for you. First one we're going to do is John 3.16. So can you read this with me, please? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is one of the best known and most beloved verses in the Bible. This verse says that because God loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us. If we believe in Jesus, we will have eternal life with him. That's God's promise to all believers, eternal life. If Jesus had not gone to the cross and died for us, if his blood had not been shed, our sin would have kept us from God for all eternity. We sang how deep the Father's love for us this morning. Talked about how our sin is what held him on that cross. And we're going to celebrate that the sacrifice by sharing communion later today. We proclaim that, that was, it was our sin that sent Jesus to the cross. If we were sinless, Jesus would not have had to die. But, be, but because Jesus went to the cro cross, we know that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just forgive us. During communion, we remember the Last Supper, where Jesus broke the bread and shared the cup with his disciples. We take communion in remembrance of the shedding of Jesus' blood for the redemptions of our sin. Other scriptures confirm the words of John 3.16 that if we believe, we will be saved. Mark 16.16 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. John 10.27 and 28, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. We are also we are promised eternal life in John 3:16 and John 14:1 through 3 promises us where this eternity will be spent. It says, "Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you?" And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. In these verses, we are promised that God has prepared a place in heaven for all those who believe in him. He tells us that if he goes and prepare a place for you, he will come back and take us to be with him there. He, he tells us, if it wasn't true, I wouldn't say this to you. You know, God cannot lie. So we can believe this, that we can believe that what he says he was true. And if he says he's going to do it, he will. He is faithful in fulfilling his promises. This is one we can take comfort from when we're mourning the loss of a loved one. If they were a believer in Christ, we can be assured that they are in a place that God has prepared for them. We were also promised the gift of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 28 and, excuse me, Acts 38 and 39 say, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
Peter tells this crowd in the day of Pentecost, which we just celebrated, that if they repent and are baptized, they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had promised the disciples that after he was gone, another counselor, the Holy Spirit, would come. The Holy Spirit comes and takes its place in our hearts and will lead and guide us as we make decisions in our Christian walk. These next promises are ones that we can rely on as we walk through this world. Let's read Luke 137 together. Oh, for no word from God will ever fail. Okay? So nothing is impossible with God. His words will not fail, and there is nothing that God cannot do. The story of Abraham and Sarah is an example of God doing the seemingly impossible. There are things that we ask that he may not choose to do. Prayers that we pray that are answered with a no or a not now, but that doesn't mean he isn't able. God is able to do immeasurably more than we can even imagine. He created the world. He parted the Red Sea. He sent manna from heaven. He raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus calmed the storm, turned water into wine, healed the sick, brought the dead back to life. We can trust that God can handle any problem we bring him. Deuteronomy 31.6 goes along with the story that Brittany told this morning. This is Moses speaking and says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. These are the words Moses spoke to the children of Israel before they crossed over into the promised land. He is assuring them that God will be with them in the new land and they need not fear their enemies. And this promise is still true for us today. God will never leave us or forsake us. If we put our trust in him, we can face any challenge because we know God is with us, working for our good. When things get hard, we're sometimes tempted to think that God has abandoned us. But this verse contradicts this thought. Whatever you are going through, God promises to be right there with you. Our next verse is Isaiah 40:31. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. This verse contains a promise of strength for the weary, which sometimes I think it describes us all. Sometimes we are just weary. The Israelites who first received this promise were worn out from the hardships of life in Babylon. They, like us, sometimes thought God either couldn't help or didn't care enough about them to help. They were exhausted and burdened by the circumstances in their life. They were weak not only in body but also in spirit. Earlier in verse 28 of this chapter, God tells them that God, the creator of earth, does not grow weary or faint. God is an endless source of strength, and he will give it to all who call on him. God is strong for us. God is powerful and uses that power to help those who need it. Sometimes we have to wait. We wait in hopeful expectation that God will give us the strength we need to face the problems that have worn us down. Another promise from scripture is, come to me. 
All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You can take your cares, your concerns, your hurts, your disappointments. You can lay them at the feet of Jesus. He'll pick them up and carry them for you. Remember that poem, Footprints in the Sand, written by Mary Stevenson? The person had a dream and was bothered that during the hardest parts of life, there were only one set of footprints in the sand. The person said to the Lord, you promised me that if I follow you, you would walk with me always. Why? When I needed you the most, were you not there for me? The Lord replied, the times you have seen only one set of footprints is when I carried you. We try to carry our burdens alone and solve our problems without involving God. He's just waiting, waiting for you to bring your hurts, your heartaches, your problems, your addictions, all of that to him and say, help, I'm tired. I can't do this on my own anymore. Let's read this one together. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul writes this to confirm that through Jesus, he can do everything that is pleasing and glorifying to God. Paul had learned to be content in whatever his circumstances because of his faith. If you've studied the life of Paul, you know he had some trying circumstances. Prison, shipwreck. We too can learn to be content in our circumstances if we look to Jesus. This verse doesn't mean that we will always be successful in everything we do, but it encourages us to be content in all circumstances because Jesus is our hope and source of joy. Putting our hope in things and people of this world leads to disappointment sometimes and feelings of being let down. If we rely on God, we will be able to face the challenges of the world and do all things. Danny Woodhead, who was an NFL running back, said, Just because your life will be going according to God's plan doesn't mean it's going to be a fairy tale. This quote is true, and as Christians, that can be kind of hard to accept. Sometimes we feel that if we're a believer, we should be spared some of the hardships of life as rewards for our good deeds and the good lives we're living. We might feel that, well, we go to church every Sunday, or I teach Sunday school. Um, I read my Bible every day. I'm on a committee at church. You kind of think that maybe those things give you some special treatment. But John 16.33 tells us, In this world, you will have trouble. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. But in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I will overcome the world. I don't know if this is a promise, a warning, statement of fact. However we define this, as Christians living in a sinful world, we need to remember we have not been promised trouble-free lives. We may experience trouble or persecution as a result of being a follower of Christ and walking in a manner different from others in this world. As you know, the ministry team's reading the book Preaching by Fred Craddock. Um, Glenn referenced that last week, and one of the chapters of this book talks about that when you preach, 
it's important that you know who your audience is. Like any time you do public speaking, they say it makes a difference. You know, if you're talking to a room full of teenagers, you might talk differently than if I'm giving doing something at the nursing home. So they said you need to know your audience, or if when you're preaching, know your congregation. Well, I've known you for a long time. We've worshipped together. We've fellowshiped together. We've been in Christian ed. We've been in Bible study together. And I know some of the troubles that you've had in your life. And I look out over the congregation and I think about people in our church. And we now are even walking alongside some people who are having trouble. Some of our church family now are having in times of trouble. We think about those who need healing, those who are grieving, those who are facing the challenges of aging. The people who are on our prayer list in the bulletin each Sunday are experiencing trouble. But when I think about this congregation, when I look over the pews, I can also see people who have overcome trouble. I see people who have experienced healing. I see people who have rebuilt their lives after devastating blows and disappointments. I see people who have remained faithful. The last of this verse is meant to encourage us as we experience whatever troubles we face. We are told to take heart. Why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus faced troubles in this world. He faced temptation, disappointment, misunderstanding, false accusation, betrayal, crucifixion, but he overcame them all, and through him, we can also be overcomers. We need to remain faithful and turn to God when we are experiencing trouble. We need to lay those troubles at the throne of God and pray for help and strength to get through the hard times. As we talked earlier, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. Romans 8.28 is a promise we can cling to when we are going through some hard times. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. These words were written to the church, mem members of the church in Rome, who were being persecuted for their faith. Charlie Reeb wrote this. What Paul is saying is that, I know you are suffering and nothing makes sense and even your prayers don't make sense. But I know this, God knows what you need. And more than that, God is going to work something good out of this. He is going to take this awful thing and do something extraordinary with it. He is going to take what is ugly and make it beautiful. We can trust that God can use whatever we're going through and use it to draw us closer to him, which is his ultimate goal and purpose. Think of people who found the Lord in prison and turned their lives around, or people who suffered a terrible tragedy in their loss in their life and used maybe this loss or this experience to minister to other people or to start nonprofits to reach out to help others. These people found a new purpose from a terrible situation. That's God working out good out of a bad situation. If we love God and are trying to become more like Jesus, we can claim this promise. God can take whatever life, not God, but whatever life throws 
at us and make good come out of it. When hard things come, never doubt that God's presence there is with you or that God doesn't love you. At the end of chapter 8 of Romans, Paul delivers a powerful message. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen to that. Savannah Lindell wrote, God's promises are still applied to those who place their faith in Christ. Not only are God's promises for us today, but the scripture calls us to respond to them, meaning we pray for them to be enacted in the situations of our life each day. Each and every day, you can claim the promises of God found in the Bible. The ones I mentioned today and all 7,474 promises that I didn't talk about. God is a promise keeper. We can stand on the promises of God. We are going to be having communion today. So let's have a brief prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the promises that you have given. Thankful, Lord, we are so thankful that you are a faithful God, a trustworthy God, a God whose word is true, a God who never leaves us or forsakes us and will lead us through all things and work them for good. Lord, be with us as we enter this time of communion. Help us to remember what you sacrificed by sending your son. Help us to remember the burden that Jesus was willing to take upon himself all for us and for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you, Lord, for loving us that much. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>